Live from Utrecht, this is Bitcoin. Explain. Hey, Sjors. Hello. So, here we are after weeks, after weeks of you complaining to me, DMing me, asking me every week, week after week, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. I want Nigel Farage to come to Amsterdam. Nigel Farage needs, needs to be a speaker at Bitcoin Amsterdam. Finally, Sjors, I can tell you, he's coming. Okay. <laughs> I think I heard the rumor earlier today and I was like, okay. He'll be there. So it's a happy day for you, Sjors. I know he's your favorite politician. He is? Okay. And you, dear listeners, if you want to see Nigel, the great Nigel Farage, I'm, in case anyone doesn't know this, I'm being a bit sarcastic. But in case you want to come to Bitcoin Amsterdam... Does he even have a passport to travel outside the UK? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know why he would want to, right? But let me finish my thought. If you want to come and if you want to meet Nigel Farage or at least hear him speak, use the promo code SHORSNATO. Let's see if... Anyone out there can remember Shorsnado and use it as a promo code. You'll get 10% off. Okay. That's that's my sort of... I'm now just shilling the conference be- before we start the episode, Shors. I, I hope you don't mind too much. That's what we did last time. Yeah, I think this is the third time. All right, let's move on. Shors, today you've got a new hobby. I have a new what, hobby. What am I looking at here? You're looking at an anvil. You've got an actual miniature anvil on your desk right here. That's right. And you're using that for what exactly? Well, right now I'm just using it as a nice decorative element, but I want to hobby around a bit with these QR codes that you can basically put in steel plates. Right. You're going to hammer your private keys into steel. Well, or some testnet private key probably, but we'll Fair see. Fair enough. Yes. Well, so the specific thing we're going to discuss is seed QR this is something you proposed. Yes. I had never heard of it. I don't know where you found it. And I think you didn't remember where you found it either. I remember. Oh, where so, did you find it? Yeah, I was on Twitter, as as I sometimes do. As usual. And I was doom scrolling. And then I saw this really cool video of somebody writing down with pen and paper a QR code, just, just with regular pen and paper, and scanning it. And it actually worked. So I was quite surprised to see that, that you can actually draw them by hand and quite sloppily even. Why is that surprising? That that doesn't uh, surprise I me would, at all. I would I was expecting it to be very sensitive. So like if you don't print it with a computer and the squares are not perfectly square, then I thought it wouldn't work. Mm. But it turns out now you can do pretty sloppy work and it still works. Right. So basically you you can draw out a grid and start, you know, coloring some of the Yeah, but I think he blocks. didn't even draw out a grid here. So yeah. It was just Oh, like and roughly. it still works? Yep. Hmm. Right. That's that's actually pretty in- interesting then. So this was someone using seed QR? Does this tie in? Yeah, with so what I was wondering, about? like, what is that? You know, what's behind that? What's the standard or maybe a proposed standard? And yeah, so there's apparently something out there called seed QR. And the context in which it's used is a device. I guess we'll get to that later. It's called the device called the seed signer. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, not really a company. It's just a, an open standard for how you can make your own device. So you buy, I think it's a... Raspberry Mini or Arduino, something like that. Very tiny computer, has a little camera on it, and you install some software on it that's open source. And then you can use that to scan a QR code. And this QR code will then convert into your 12 words or 24 words. Okay. And vice versa, you can use a keyboard, or it's not really a keyboard, just a couple buttons to enter your 24 or 12 words, and it'll show you a QR code, and you can then draw that QR code on a piece of paper. That's kind of what it does. Right. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but 
that's what I was looking at. Yeah, let's let's just take this one step at a time, and then we'll, we'll get to whatever you're talking about in a minute. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> all right, here we go. So, first of all, sure. How do people make sure they don't lose their Bitcoin? They make backups. Great. Or they become a no coiner. Well, so the people used to make backups. You know, back in the days, we all made backups, which basically meant you literally backed up every private key you had, right? Yeah, so I'm using the word backup very broadly, but back in the day, you actually had to make a backup in the more narrow sense that you click the button that says make backup and you store the backup somewhere else. So if you were using the old Bitcoin client before it was called Bitcoin Core, it came with a wallet. And yes, in order to not lose your coins, you had to make a backup of the wallet, but not just once. Initially, every time you spent, every time you made a new receive address, it would be a completely random receive address. So you'd have to make a backup every time you received coins or at some point, I think it was improved. So it would make a hundred receive address in the background and you'd make a backup of those 100 addresses. If you forgot to do that, you would suddenly lose all your coins if you recovered, if you restored an old backup. Right, okay, so the problem with this, for one, is you need a lot of, well, maybe not a lot, but you need to back up a bunch of data, one for each transaction, one for each receiving transaction, because ideally, of course, you make a new address for each transaction, as we've explained, mm -hmm. like three episodes ago, I think. We've mentioned it a in couple depth. times. Uh, it's also yeah. someone everyone knows. And so you hopefully. didn't have to do it every transaction. I think you would have to do it every 100 transactions or something, and they would just make 100 backups, something like that. But anyway, if you forgot to do that, your coins, you know, not only do you use new receive addresses, even if you use the same receive address every time, when you're sending coins, you create a change address, your wallet. And your wallet will create new change addresses right. because it's very disciplined. And so when you hit change address number 101 or whatever it was, and you don't have a backup of number 101, now all your coins went to this new change address and they're all gone. If, if your computer crashes or something, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this was improved. Uh, we're, we're just gonna have to kind of rush through this because we've discussed it before and I think we've even had entire episodes about some of this stuff. Uh, like for example, the thing we're gonna mention now are seeds. I think we've had a whole episode. It was like episode, it was an early episode. What is an XBOP? Yeah, that's a famous episode. Is it is it the famous episode? Sure. No, I don't know. I think all of our well, actually, none, none of our episodes are famous. I'd say. Bip thirty two. That's seeds. So what is seed? Am I saying that right? Well, no, no, no. I'm saying seed, it's wrong. Yes, but Bip. it's not a mnemonic. So basically, a seed just means one key that creates all the other keys. So it's like a plant seed. Right. Yep. And so what Bip thirty two did is you create this one master seed, master key, or whatever you want to call it. And that's the thing you back up, which is the first thing you do when you get the new wallet. You back up this master seed and you're good. Then what happens is you have a tree of, of derivations, basically, so that each address is unique, but it is all derivable from this one seed. So that's how you can yeah, Just to jog my own memory, really. I mean, if I don't remember, probably some of our listeners don't. Is it essentially just the case that you generate a first private key and then you hash the private key and the hash and the hash and the hash and that's just new private keys or is Pretty it a much. bit more complicated it than is that? a bit more complicated but it really boils down to that you right. hash it and maybe you add the number one and there's some uh, some nuance there but yeah that's essentially the gist of it all right it's deterministic so y your wallet will know what to do right once it gets a seed it will know how to find the addresses that you've used before sure okay now then i guess the problem here again we're 
rushing through it a bit through this part the problem here is that remembering even the seed even the first private key is a little bit hard not for you of course yours but well, for regular people like me and most of our listeners we don't actually remember that kind of stuff so we need something that's a bit easier well so the thing is initially with the bitcoin client you would just back up a on a on a usb stick or something like that right mm. it'd still be a digital backup and so some people would prefer to have a backup that's physical that's probably written on a piece of paper and that means yeah then it gets really cumbersome to start writing these uh, these hexadecimal uh, things down if you can even find them so right it's not even about memory you shouldn't even use your memory you should write it down either way but we need an easier way to write it down yeah, yeah. So, so if you want to yeah and i guess that's another thing so then the there was a, this idea called bit 39 which is a mnemonic and the idea is really you just take the letters or the hexadecimal numbers and you just map them onto words so there's four thousand words and each no there's 2048 words i think okay some number those just map onto the numbers it's, it's two to the 12th two to the power of 12 that's two that sounds like 48 that sounds like four thousand it's two to the power of 10 is, uh, is one thousand no i'm i'm pretty sure i looked it up this okay. afternoon so i think it's 2048 words well it's a lot there may be several standards right aren't there several well i'm talking about bib 39 so there's me too there's a number of words which we'll have to look up and they really those words just represent numbers essentially so that's that simple. And then yeah, basically each it's just the, the first word is number 0000. zero, zero, zero. They they all have four numbers, right? And then the second word is 0001 and that all the way through to exactly. 40. Now there there is a little caveat there. It works one way as in you start with the numbers. So the numbers are the seed you generated essentially, your computer generated, and then they are converted to words. But when you when you use it, it's actually not using the words. Uh, sorry, it's not going back to the numbers. So when you enter the words, the next step in order to create this uh, this hierarchical wallet is to just uh, process the words as they are written and hash that. It's a little implementation detail that you generally don't have to worry about unless you want to do translations. So basically, the first address of your wallet is derived. So you start with this this random numbers those are turned into words and those words pasted behind each other and maybe with a little password behind it those are hashed and that's where the first key come from but that means that if you have say a german uh, alternative for this uh, bit 39 that if you have the same you start with the same numbers but now you start to write german words and when you hash the german words you're going to get a different key than when you hash English words. So you cannot translate one seed into another. That makes no sense. Right. Okay. And this is relevant because that's one reason why I don't think it's a good idea for people to use uh, BIP39 in other languages. Because in that case, you know, you may have one piece of software that will understand what to do with the German words, but your other piece of software that you may want to use later, your other wallet will not understand it. So because as much the most of the support is for the English words. Right. Okay. Well. Anyway, I didn't know that. I also don't. Is it important for the rest of the episode, or just, it's not important for the rest of the episode? It is. Listeners. It is one of those things that if we ever had to redo these standards, that we should do better. Right. I do have another question. So some seeds have twelve words, and some have 
24, I think these are the two most common yep. uh, amounts of words. Mm-hmm. Why, why is there a difference? Is one just more secure or... Yeah, it's more bits. So 12 words means 128 bits of random data. So basically throwing coins. Yeah, you're basically throwing 128 coins. Or... Four heads of tails, yeah. Yes. Or if you have 24 words, you're effectively throwing 256 coins, heads of tails. Mm-hmm. And that is not twice as secure. That is... Like a lot more secure. Yeah. What's the numbers yours? Well, I don't know From how. From the top of your head, come it's on. Basically, twice as many bits of security. Yeah. But that you know, it takes a lot more time to brute force it, right? Because every bit you add makes t- means it takes twice as long to brute force it. If you want to guess what somebody's uh, mnemonic is, you try one combination of words. You try another. You try another. You try another. And if it's uh, if it's a uh, a two-bit system. If it's a two-bit, two bits, two-bit seed, well, then you just have to try four times. But if it is a four-bit seed, you don't have to try eight times. You have to try sixteen times. So is twelve enough then? Why don't all wallets just use? Well, if some wallets use twenty-four, why don't they all use twenty-four? Like, I mean, ultimately, it's better to have more bits of security. If there's no trade-off, why not? Right. And ultimately, in the long run. You know, the worry is that as computers get faster or as problems are found, you need more bits to be really secure. And maybe one day we'll reach the point where 128-bit is not secure anymore, but then 256 will last us a bit longer. So it's it's that kind of long-term thinking. Is it maybe also partly a human problem? Like some people will cut their seed in half thinking if they hide them in different places, then they're good. But then if people on if, if someone yeah so then you're getting really in, in trouble right because six if you have a 12 word seed right. and you cut it in two that's six words each and that is only 64 bits of entropy doable. that's right. still that's still a lot but it might be within the realm of something you can crack because right. again twice as long does not mean that it takes twice as long to crack it it means it takes you know exponentially longer to crack it yep so that's, that's indeed one of the risks, but I don't think that's the reason. So basically, you could say that the, the limit of Bitcoin, the way it's architected, is 256 bits. And that is because the hashes of a block, as well as the elliptic curve, all use 64 bits, 256 bits. Right. So if you have a way to, brute, to, to crack a 256-bit number, like find the private key, etc., that's basically the security level anyway. So you might as well use Broken that. Broken Bitcoin itself, yeah. Yeah. So that's why, I guess that's one argument to say, well, then why don't you use seeds that are at that limit? Yeah. It, it makes no sense to go beyond it, but it also makes no sense to stay below it. it all things equal. Because the you know you do have to write these things down or do something else with it. And if that's too much work, then people won't do it. And then you just lose your coins. So you, the, 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 the benefit of 12 words is that people are more likely to write them down. Okay, now let's get to the meat of this episode. I think that was a, a long recap of stuff that people already knew, or at least most people already knew most of that. So now we're getting to Seed QR, and this is this is your hobby project. So I, I guess you just explain what it is. Yeah, so it's as far as I know, it's a proposed standard, mm-hmm. and there are some tools that are using it. And the idea is that you take these 12 to 24 words, and rather than writing them down as words, you convert them into a QR code. Because remember, these these things represent numbers. So you just take the word, find the corresponding number, and now you have a bunch of numbers. And if you have a bunch of numbers, essentially if you have 128 bits of data or 256 bits of data, you can squeeze that into a very small QR code. 
Right. And QR, so right QR now codes a lot of nice. people so right now a lot of people are storing their Bitcoin essentially their private keys as a list of or at least their backup as a list of words and according to with this standard they could back up their keys as a QR code which they hide yeah. somewhere. And so one benefit of that could be is that is that new? Is I I mean I've never heard of it, but it I think sounds sounds like a fairly, fairly obvious thing to do, but it's new. Yeah, I mean it depends. Really depends on your use case, right? So if you're if you have your keys in some very far away cold storage place in the middle of the Antarctica, well, it you know it it may be useful for you if you need those words anyway. You can either type them or you can scan them, right? Th those are the two ways you can enter them back into a machine. And since most hardware wallets are a pain in the ass to type on, mm -hmm. it you know maybe using a camera might be easier. But you know, I think only the Jade hardware wallet and the uh, Spectre desk, uh, the Spectre DIY wallet have cameras, so there, there's only limited use for QR codes. Okay, so the general idea is we're using a QR code as a backup. What what are the challenges here? Yeah, and not just as a backup. It could even be uh, let's say you have a phone wallet. Right. Right. And when you're walking around with your phone, maybe maybe it's a phone wallet that you don't use for shopping, but you do use it for your for your I don't know everyday stuff. It's not like cold storage. It's not a huge amount of money. But when somebody robs you in the street, you don't want to be able to give them Bitcoin, so you don't want to have the private keys on the phone itself. You want to have them somewhere safe at home. And so then a QR code could be useful because when you do want to use it, you just scan the QR code, and now boom, you can spend your Bitcoin. But when you're on the street, nobody can rob you. If they go to your home, they can. You know, that's that's a trade-off. Right. So the idea there would be that your phone doesn't actually store any of the keys. It just scans them for one-time use. It scans exactly. the QR code for one-time use and then forgets it. And it can be a phone. It can also be another device. Of course, it could be a hardware wallet that yes. operates like this. So then the keys aren't even on the device. Yeah, well, they are when you're using it. But right. after that, they're not. Well, unless it was compromised. Right. So rather than thinking of it as a backup, in that case, it is essentially your actual cold sword wallet cold yeah wallet. Well, at least your actual offline semi-offline wallet or something like that right 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 okay so are there any what are the challenges to accomplishing this if there are any well for one thing is again it depends on the use case for the easy use case where you are printing a qr code with a physical printer then i guess it doesn't matter right you can make a very big qr code or a very small one doesn't matter mm -hmm. but when you as we described in the beginning you want to write down your qr code on a piece of paper which you can draw it's nice if it, the qr code is not too many little points because it's very tedious to do it and if you want to like put them on metal then you know, you really don't want to have 5,000 little points that you need to put on the QR code. Right. And I guess the, the, the reason this matters is that you ideally don't want to have your private keys touch a computer at all, possibly, or, exactly. or a printer at all. Like exactly. The, these things can be hacks. And I think some printers even have like memory of stuff they printed. And like ideally, it just flashes on your hardware wallet or something and then you write it down with a pen and paper. Exactly. And that's that's, and that's what the Signer does. So uh, the, the Signer, this uh, sort of open source device where you can buy off the shelf components and make it yourself. Hmm. What this device does is you enter your words and it shows you the QR code or you scan the QR code and it shows you the words. And then I think that device can also sign things but maybe you don't want to use that part. Maybe you want to use your regular hardware wallet for the signing. 
So you then take your mnemonic and put it in your regular hardware wallet, something like that. That could be the operation flow. And that means you're not using your main computer, which will probably have millions of viruses on it. You're not using your printer, which will probably have millions of viruses on it. And then it's really important because you're doing this step by hand, you're drawing a QR code. The drawing part should be as little work as possible. Right. So then they've done some research about how small these QR codes can get. And how QR small can these QR codes get? For 12 words, you can use 21 by 21 points. Is that and a large part of that, if you look at a QR code, does the, these wait, giant wait. rectangles, right? So it's 21 by 21, including those giant rectangles. Yo, what is going on, guys? We are proud to have Voltage as a sponsor of this episode. How many of you developers out there have wanted a streamlined infrastructure provider for your particular project? Well, I'll tell you what, Voltage is the Bitcoin infrastructure provider you have been looking for that makes building on Bitcoin quick and easy, whether it's Bitcoin nodes, Lightning nodes, BTC pay, and so much more. But don't take it from me. Just ask the guys over at Amboss, Sphinx, Podcast Index, and Thunder Games, and so many others that you guys already know and love. Their enterprise-grade products make it fast and easy to build, deploy, and scale your next project. So make it easy on yourself. Even normie plebs can use the dashboard or API. Don't wait before the next block confirmation. Let your team focus on building great products and let Voltage handle all the rest. Voltage is your go-to zero management Bitcoin infrastructure solution. How small can QR codes get in general? Is there any 21 zone? by 21, at is least. That, is that the smallest type of QR codes? I believe that is QR the codes? smallest type of a regular QR code. Right. There is also a micro QR like standard that is even smaller but that is useless for this purpose. So if you look at my book, maybe I'll just shamelessly shield that I have a book. Yeah, we're, we're shilling all the way Bit in this Bitcoin, episode. a work in progress. Or just Google Bitcoin Shores. Uh, you'll need to know how to spell that yeah, anyway. No one knows Shores. <laughs> That's all right. Who? What was I saying? Yeah, you're, so you're the book, the book actually contains QR codes that will take you to various resources, right? So you don't have to type the whole URL. You scan the QR code. It takes you to a short URL. Right. Those short URLs fit exactly into the smallest possible QR thing of the 21 by 21. So th so that's HTTP colon slash slash yada yada yada. Okay. But you can also put the a seed in it. So the smallest, at least the smallest sort of regular QR code is 21. Do you know what QR stands for, Shors? Quick response. Uh, very well. Very good. So the smallest QR code is 21 by 21. And that's, and that's, and then there are bigger ones. Or, uh, yeah. yeah. And so the reason you want to use bigger ones is, for example, because you have more words that you want to put into it. Right. So I think you need a 25 by 25 to have 24 words. And the other thing you can do is increase the error correction. And so what a QR code does is it shows you, it. a QR code starts with the actual thing that it's describing. Mm -hmm. So say a URL, a piece of text, and then it has a bunch of extra bits and a bunch of extra pixels. And their purpose is to basically help the device that's scanning it to correct for errors because the camera might not be accurate. Yeah, um, or, so, or you know, the, your inks may your ink may be blurry. Or yeah. That, so that basically, sort of you know, some people abuse this feature. They'll put the company logo in the middle of a QR code, and what that does is basically it obscures part of the QR code. But because it has so much error correction, you can actually obscure five or ten percent of the QR code and still read it. That's right. the idea. We, we talked about error correction in an earlier episode, I believe, about this mempool sync project. Okay. Uh, Mini sketch. I, I don't remember. Well, I kind of remember, remember vaguely. 
but let's get back to the point. So yep. we're using 21 by 21 QR codes. Or bigger. Right? Yeah. The seed QR standard uses the several different sizes of QR codes. Right. And is there any sort of... I, I recall there's they're doing some tricks to actually make it fit. Is that not the yes. case? Or? So, yeah, exactly. There are two ways to put the data into the QR code. Mm -hmm. One is a way that is as compact as possible. That's where you get to 21 by 21. And the other is a way that other apps can actually read it. So the problem is when you use the most compact way to store it, uh, there are not a lot of off-the-shelf applications that can actually read this QR code. So if you use, if you point your phone at it, if you use this very compact form, your phone will be confused. It won't understand what to do with the QR code. Right. So that's, that's kind of a feature, actually, because you don't want it to. But, you know... It, they've used optimizations that other apps don't understand. Is that the yeah, right way to put it? Yeah, but basically, when you scan a QR code, it, your phone is generally expecting a URL mm -hmm. or at least regular text. But these these things will use full, basically, 256-bit ASCII. So if you ever go... if you I don't know if you've ever seen... like some binary file and you open it up and it has all these symbols and your computer starts beeping at you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically what the what what's in the QR code too. It's it's using all the bits it can. And so your phone thinking it's text will render complete gibberish. In fact it will just not work. Right. Okay. But I think that's that's all solvable. And what you were saying is that in a way it's kind of nice that it does that because if some random person finds this QR code that has all your money on it, then it's kind of nice if they don't understand what it is, right? Well, it, that's a, that's one nice thing about QR codes. So now, you know, you can start thinking about where could these fit into your security model. Well, if you're traveling with 12 words written on a piece of paper, if the customs search your back, they'll see the 12 words, they know what to do with it. Maybe if you have, say, a vaccination passport that has a bunch of QR codes on it anyway, you kind of shove in your little Bitcoin backup in that passport and maybe they won't see it. But that's, you know, that's always a little scary. Okay, so, so far, so far this all sounds great. Also kind of straightforward. Is this just a straightforward episode or is there some magic still awaiting in the corner? My, my magic where, where are we taking this? My magical suggestion would be that, yeah, this is pretty straightforward, but I would say that the downside of QR is that it is designed for computers. Mm -hmm. So it's very uh, easy for computers and cameras to scan it. It can read it by hand, as in there, there's a couple of YouTube videos and documents that you can read that will explain to you, if you see a QR code, how to read it, but it's very difficult. So what I would like to see is another standard, a new standard, that kind of looks like a QR, but that is much easier for a human to read. So that means you wouldn't even need the seat signer device. You would just be able to take a pen and paper and just you know, look at where the squares are and do some math, and then you would actually know what the, what this, what the, what the seat is. I'm, I'm just thinking of the... <laughs> yeah, I know which XKCD you're thinking about. Which one, which one is it? But this standard might actually already exist. There are exist, 14 um, competing standards. 14 yeah. ridiculous anyways i think everyone knows it i'm not going to finish the joke yeah so i don't necessarily think there has to be a new standard and maybe that there's already our standards out there that are designed for humans to parse rather than for cameras to parse yeah okay well let's see if someone develops that then shorts why don't you why don't you develop a new standard because we need the 15th standard i'm not a encoding master okay well 
I'm not gonna do it either. So hopefully one of our listeners will feel inspired by yeah. I'm, by I'm your hoping encouragement. CEPA, I hope Sipa picks it up because uh, it'd be nice to have some error correction. Let's say you have a QR code, right? And QR code is every if you read it from left to right, basically it's either black or it's white. So it's like a bit. So you could imagine having a device where you're clicking a button, either the left button or the right button. If you see a white pixel, you click the left button. If you see a red, black pixel, you click the right button. And then based on that click, 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 click pattern, it reconstructs your seed. And it's nice if there's error correction while you're doing that. So rather than typing all the 24 words as you would now, and then it says, nope, sorry, it's wrong. Uh, every six or seven characters, it would tell you, no, 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 you did something wrong. And then you know that you have to go back and check the last seven characters because, you know, it's, it's not easy to manually type something like a QR code without making mistakes. So I think there's, there's promise there. Okay. But that's all I got. Okay. So when are you going to make yours? Oh, I don't know. Whenever your steel plate, whenever it arrives, I'll go play with it. You're waiting for the actual plate to arrive. That's what you're waiting for. Exactly. All right. Well, you got the, you got the rest of the tools ready. Sure, I think that's it then. I think that's our episode. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin Explained. <laughs>